Broadcasting live from our satellite studios in Chicago, Illinois, it's time for the special on-the-road edition of Learning Insights, featuring learning professionals who are improving performance and driving business results. Welcome to another exciting and informative edition of Learning Insights. I'm your host, Stone Payton, and in the studio with me and on the road with me this week is my good friend and co-host, Lee Cantor. How you doing, man? I am doing great. Really enjoying Chicago. How about you? I most certainly am. Uh, I, you know, I've heard a lot about Chicago-style pizza. I've heard a lot about steaks, and uh, we might have to go find out about both later today. But first, we've got some fun stuff to do. We're going to get a chance to visit with the Vice President, Custom Training Solutions for Berkeley Training, a division of Judge Group. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast, Miss Molly Howman. Hello there, Molly. Good morning. Well, it is an absolute delight to have you join us. Uh, a lot of questions that I have of you, but uh, I'd like to start just trying to get a, a feel, if I could, on this, this topic of learning reinforcement. Can you just kind of give us a, a little bit of a primer on it? What, what exactly does it even mean? So learning reinforcement is really just a set of tools and strategies to help make sure that the training event is a successful one. So um, quite often people will go to training and they'll forget about 75% of what they learned in training. And so training reinforcement is really just helping them remember those things that they learned and practiced in the actual training event. Now you say 75% they'll forget. Is that over what period of time? You know, studies have shown that um, it's pretty precipitous. So within a couple of days of leaning, leaving a training event, people have lost, you know, a majority like of what they've a learned. A majority? Uh-huh. Well, I mean, so <laughs> well, it, it depends that's on, good well, job security for <laughs> the yeah. learning people, though, right? It, it, you know, I, I think that's the reason that I'm pretty passionate about this, because so much time is spent on developing really good training right. that if if there aren't things to do after that actual training event, you know, you're really wasting your money. Right. So uh, learning reinforcement for me is really just a way of making sure that that training event um, lives up to what you wanted it to do. So now there are certain things you can do to help the retention and the compliance of the training? Absolutely. So can you share some of that? Is that a secret? <laughs> the answer is that that a secret? Yes. It's yes. Okay. Next well, question. Let's wrap this up. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> You know, training or learning reinforcement can be anything from making sure that when the person returns from the training event, uh, that their management is supportive of the new, you know, the new process or the new rules. Right. So you have to get management to agree in the beginning this is important. Absolutely. Right? So that's, Absolutely. And then the trainer comes in, does their job, and then shares the information. And now this reinforcement kind of keeps it alive for longer than that one event. Exactly. So, for example, um, with one of our clients, one of the things that we're doing is, in addition to training the class participants, we have workshops for the managers, and we're developing tools and worksheets and a process for them to follow so that after the training event, they continue mm -hmm. reinforcing what's learned in the training class. So it's it's relatively simple. It's relatively cost effective, and it's kind of painless for the manager. Well, nothing's painless, but you know, <laughs> they, they they need to you know the manager needs to commit to to making those changes. But yeah, it's it's 
it's less painful than if they had to try to figure out how to do it themselves. Right. Well, can you imagine the bill associated with 75% uh, loss? I mean, that that's huge. I had no idea. I mean, I knew that yeah. there was some fall off, or, but that's a big number. Yeah. Actually, one of the sessions that I went to at ASTD. Right. Um, uh, there was a, a psychologist that does a lot of research on, you know, um, learning reinforcement and how people learn. And and I wish I had the, the sheet with me, but it did say something like, within a week, about 80% is lost. Wow. Yeah. So but, help us and with And that's some... just normal. You know, that's... that's. It's not because you did a bad job of training. No. It's not no. because the box lunch wasn't good or the binder was the wrong color. Yep. That's just human nature. That's just, just... And you have to deal with it. And you have to factor that into your, to your approach for developing people. Help us with some terms, if you would... Uh, Performance support and learning reinforcement, are they akin? Are they two completely different things? They are akin. So um, I've told you I could get her to say akin. <laughs> yeah. <that's, laughs> I owe you $20. <laughs> um, so learning reinforcement is anything, as I said, anything that can be done to help person learn afterwards. Performance support is providing tools at the moment of need. Um, so providing a website or a portal that houses job aids or giving somebody the tools that they need, you know, if you're, if you're working on a new software application, you know, giving them pop-ups that say, um, this is how you do this particular function so that they don't need to remember everything so that they can just, um, sorry. Uh, so that's kind of as the, as you're constantly reminding them of the training or the uh, outcomes you wanted to occur Absolutely. from the training. Absolutely. And so, so like these pop-ups can appear, but it's also, what if I, if I think I remembered something, then it gives me a place to go to kind of refresh myself. Exactly. So, um, you know, another one of our clients uh, was putting a lot of money into developing a, an institute for their um, supply chain group. And, one of the main things that they found was, you know, a lot of the training was built on the standard operating procedures, and people were having a hard time finding the documents, the standard operating procedure documents. So they wanted to make sure that all the documents were in one place and it shared the same place with the, the training materials that were developed and it shared the same place with job aids that had been developed so that a person didn't need to come back with a, you know, a 16-inch binder that sits on a shelf that and never gets looked at. That sits on a shelf and never gets looked at. Right. They wanted, you know, an easily an easily searchable portal that could house all that information. Right. So, like, if that. you had a question about a certain thing, you can type in maybe that phrase, mm -hmm. and you can find exactly what you're looking for. Exactly. So, I'm interested in your personal experience on one front, and I, I'm sure there's no right answer. It probably varies from organization to organization, or consulting practice to consulting practice. But if you take performance challenges or uh, failure to perform. And you kind of throw the ones you've come across in different buckets, where it's uh, don't know what the job is, that's one bucket, uh, don't know how to do the job, there's a whole other bucket. And then you got maybe a third bucket, something or someone is interfering with their desire or ability to perform. So there's like this task interference bucket. Do you find more performance problems line up with one of these three things? Or, or do you see performance challenges across all three a lot in your work? That's an interesting question. I would say that... Um, so, And I don't know if that's okay. the right way to organize. No, In my no. mind, so, that's, a, that's a way to organize performance challenges. And so I was just wondering where 
a lot of them fall. You know, I, I, I think a lot of performance challenges come from a person's level of engagement, whether they want to learn, whether they see the what's in it for me to, to learn um, or to actually do the job the way the corporation wants them to do the job. You know, so, you know, a big, a big challenge for instructional designers is figuring out the, the why are we doing this training and how are we going to get through to these people to make sure that they actually want to do whatever the, the performance is. Um, but aren't these people, I mean, it'd be one thing if all these people were, uh, uh, what's the word, homogenous? Yeah, people all of them were the same, whatever exactly. that word is. <laughs> if they were all thought the same and came from the same mm -hmm. background, that, but I mean, that's got to be a real challenge, right? They're coming from different backgrounds and cultures. They might have different motivations. Yep. It, well, you know, so most, most training is geared to the 80%. So you want to figure out what do 80% of the people want. So the outliers, you might not reach. And that's okay. You have to just deal with that and live with it. But now, is that the is when it comes to reinforcement? Is that same thinking the the same that you're dealing with the eighty percent, or is that where you try to to kind of help these outliers? Um, with training reinforcement, you know, it, it depends on what your what methodology are you using. So, with a manager, hopefully, the manager has a good enough understanding of what the motivations are of their individual um, associates. Uh, with training tools, it's, you know, like a portal, it's really just giving them access so that if they are interested in, in getting the information, they can, they can get to it, that it's available to them, right. um, and that they know how to, how to get to it. Um, actually, one of the things that we're working on right now, which is really exciting, is embedded performance support, which is um, a tool set that allows you to uh, kind of overlay a, a system application with, you know, reinforcement of these are the things that you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do them. So it can either be, you know, showing policies and procedures, you know, uh, popping up, these are the correct steps if you get lost, or these are, these are the things that you need to remember when you're in this particular screen. So I, I think that so it sounds like these are kind of like nudges. They're not like this big, scary learning, yeah, right? You're just yeah. kind of reminding them in a... Like we're doing learning enforcement today at 2 o'clock. It's mandatory. Right. Right. Pay attention. <laughs> Drop <laughs> whatever <laughs> you're doing. Right. <laughs> That's not the way to do it, right? No, and, and <laughs> you know, and people learn by doing. So you got to just get them doing it and get them comfortable with it. And the more comfortable they are, the more they're going to do it. And hopefully it's a, you know, it's is, a... Is there anything that catches them if they're doing it wrong? Like they took the wrong thing out of the training? Well, you know, a combination of, of having a manager who knows what they should be doing and, and tools. Um, you know, it's impossible to, to design, but you know, it, it, everything. Again, it's the manager is an important component to this. Absolutely. Absolutely. So having the manager having the right tools is uh, important when you're designing this kind of thing. I think having the manager involved when you're designing any sort of training is important. So, so you think you ought to get them involved at some level, even in the instructional design. Otherwise, they're not going to have the what are you, the pride of authorship or exactly. the emotional commitment to, to do the follow-up and the coaching. And, and so often they're not involved. So right. you yeah, know, I'm we, a manager now. I don't fool yeah. with that, right? Uh, we <laughs> develop a whole lot of e-learning, wow. and it's, you know, quite often they don't even pilot the, the training 
to see, you know, is this hitting the mark? It's just, you know. Check a box. Check a box. Thank you for <laughs> seeing my little hand. <laughs> well, wouldn't there. that mean a lot more to, like, if there were um, a training class for a new, a, uh, a new product launch or a new set of sales strategies, if I go to that as a salesperson and my sales manager attends that or at least is hanging out, that to me is a very different message than the sales manager not even mentioning it or not being a part of Ex- it. So that should, that would mean a lot, I would think. It means a lot. It so there are times where having the managers in the same training class can also be detrimental. So you want uh, the yeah, le- so. So they you, you want the learning participants to, <laughs> feel, to feel comfortable. comfortable. And if you know That's if true. they're not comfortable with their manager, then they might act a different way or ask different questions. Um, you know, so it's it's really dependent upon the the organization and you know how strong that top-down structure is, mm-hmm. um, we quite often will recommend that we do something different for the managers, maybe a condensed version or... But at least the knowledge that my manager's going through it, and then on the back side of it, we're using the same nomenclature. Exactly. We're talking about the same things. If I've learned to do a, you know, a yellow backflip or whatever, and he knows, well, how are the yellow backflips going? Yep. We're talking the same thing. And maybe he can even assist you with those mm-hmm. yellow backflips. <laughs> right. Yeah. That, that would be more powerful. So you've been at this a while. Um, do you see patterns? Do you walk into a to an engagement and you're like, well, here we go again. Yep. They, they, we, I know the first three things we got to do is we got yeah. we got to have a conversation about this, this, and this, and we got to tighten this and loosen that. Do you see some patterns evolving? Challenges that the, you know, I'll, I'll so I deal primarily with very large companies, mm-hmm. and you do see some patterns in very large companies. You know, um, quite often. You know, we are brought into an engagement after somebody's already set the priorities. I thought they, you were going to say screwed it up. <laughs> <laughs> we fix other consultants' mistakes. That's your. Oh, sorry, I interrupted. I, no, it's I good couldn't help. <laughs> no, but you know, we're brought in after the learning organization has already come and become involved, and so quite often we're not involved in that initial, you know here's the problem and here's the remediation. I mean, truthfully, quite often the learning organization isn't even part of those meetings. It's the business that says, mm. oh, we have a problem and we need to train, you know, where quite often a, a training intervention isn't really what's required. It's a, a different performance management or, you know, there, there's a different performance issue than, than training can address. But that being said, you know, too often I think organizations come in with, a, you know, this is what we should do because that's their background and that's their... Um, they have a hammer, so everything's a nail. Um, and Did you practice that last night? I've been waiting to that's use that. Pretty <laughs> <laughs> He's been waiting all week yeah. to do that. He's been doing shows all week. Now you got to say it. <laughs> Just like I got, the, I got her to right. say it. Yeah. So uh, is technology... And maybe this is part of the, the same conversation. Is technology really assisting us in this learning reinforcement and performance oh, support and all this stuff? If, if it's the right technology, absolutely. So, you know, you really need to understand what the performance objectives are and what you're trying to do and then fitting the right technology to the situation so that, you know, you're actually moving that needle and, uh, and enabling better Sometimes I would imagine some people get enamored with some fancy new technology oh yeah <laughs> and, just and they do just want to force cool. fit in uh-huh. the learning and yes. we're going to use this because yes. i just bought a lot of it um, 
That that whole gaming thing is, I really? think, you know, and people love games and gaming is fun, but right. you know, this the gamification thing. People are like, we have this technology; it's so cool. How are we going to use it? And well, you just won a radio guest badge just for saying that. That's gamification. right. <laughs> Anytime somebody says gamification, they get a badge. And then five badges get you a mug, <laughs> and then we got this whole program oh, wow. right now. You're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> but so that's the thing you're saying gamification is kind of like a trendy you know, so you know 10 years ago it was even just e-learning oh right. e-learning <laughs> or um or having video in in the uh in the e-learning program or you know there's so once uh, there's that came also, about, yeah. yeah so you know i lead a team of instructional designers hopefully my instructional designers try to at least encourage our clients to use technology wisely and not just right. throw technology at a problem. But, you know, there are times where, you know, the client is always right. So right. you need to, to follow their lead. We're going to gamify. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to make Loans this fun. Check, right. Darn it, this, this training is going to be fun. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned having a team of instructional designers. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, give us a little bit of a, a view, if, if you would. Uh, the engagement cycle. So you're inside a large organization. Mm -hmm. uh, a need arises. Um, now what happens? First we sit down and we talk with Molly, and then you bring it. Exactly. Yeah, so, walk us through that if you would. So I handle a handful of clients. So I'm, uh, I know their business, and I know a lot of the decision makers within the learning organization. Um, if a client calls me for a new, let's say, a new e-learning program that they'd like to develop, uh, what I do is I spend... You know, I spend some time with them understanding what, you know, the objectives. what are the objectives and, and what are you trying to get to and what's your budget and, you know, what are some of the constraints. Um, I will sit down with, with my team. Uh, you know, generally I'll have an instructional designer and a developer mm -hmm. in the team to, you know, because the developers can think more visually and more creatively and the instructional designers are really thinking about how are we going to... Um, manage the performance and, and actually do the, do the work. Um, we'll then present some of those ideas to the clients and make sure that we're going down the right track. So do you get, how many ideas do you typically show them? Because uh, too many could be distracting, yeah, right? Um, we, we try to narrow it down to a couple. couple. Uh, because if you show too much yet, yeah, it, it becomes distracting. You, you want to have a pretty decent idea before right. showing anything to the client. You know, kind of what the because you know the objective. The you go, we can go this way, or we can go this way. Yeah. What do you prefer? Mm -hmm. Get some feedback. Exactly, <clears throat> and <throat> and you know, uh, there's usually a financial impact as well. So, mm -hmm. uh, if if they want something really fancy, but they don't have the fancy dollars right. to go along with it, you need to kind of think through. Okay, how are you going to make this this fancy thing not cost cost so too much? much right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but they're hiring you because you're kind of a turnkey solution for them? Yeah, so I think that clients, clients hire us for a couple of reasons. First, our instructional design team is, is terrific. They really dig in and get to know the clients, and we've established these long, deep relationships. Mm -hmm. So um, there's, there's a lot of trust involved. Um, we're also adept at finding different partners who can fulfill different... Um, implementation strategies. So, uh, let's say gamification. All right. You know, there, there's there's one group who can do that well. Uh, where another, 
you know, Maybe partner not. of ours might not might right. not have those capabilities. So it's and it's you're a trusted advisor, so they're trusting you know who the real people are and exactly, who the exactly. not so real. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, the depth that you must have to bring to your job because there's not only the technical proficiency, but it's these relationships and it's knowing how to interact with company B when you go talk with them. They just might, you know, mom, just tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. And in company C, they, you know, maybe they want you to be like you're an advertising agency and you're sharing a dozen mm -hmm. ideas, right? And you've got to know how to, how to manage those interactions. Which is why the cost of new business acquisition is really high. Yeah. Because you really need to, to work long and hard. Um, my general thought on that mm -hmm. is, is start with a small engagement, you know, mm -hmm. and get to know each other and, you know, learn about our team and we'll learn about you. And then let's move on to, to bigger and more complex and strategic um, applications. I have found that when we do that, like, big bang with a brand new client, there's usually a very um, – big learning curve on both sides. <laughs> right. So the, a small engagement might be where you can kind of test the water to see philosophically if you're aligned, mm -hmm. right? And also you kind of prove your worth and then eventually you'd like to get that seat at more strategic level because then you can help them more. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and also she talked about being the go-to person for the specialists. Like when she needed someone that could teach the yellow back flip, <laughs> right? right. Or that if she's going to be that trusted resource, you've also have to have a mechanism where you can um, make learn how good they. Because you don't want to go to a big company and just find out that Stone teaches the yellow back flip and say, "Yeah, I met Stone at the, yeah. you know, at the wherever yesterday." As a matter of fact, a couple of the Clients that are kind of former clients are former because we didn't put the right resource on their on their job. Um, resources who are fantastic at doing a specific, <clears throat> right. you know, one specific thing might not be good project managers, or they might not be good. Um, they might not be flexible enough, you know. So you need to really know the client idiosyncrasies and make sure that the the talent that you're Pairing them with is the right fit is culturally, the right? Fit. right? Culturally, yep. Now, um, do you have do you specialize in certain industries, or you're kind of a generalist, and that you can work in any type of a field? Uh, we're more generalists, so I'm in. We're in a bunch of different industries, and and Berkeley as a whole is. I can't think of an industry that we're not in. Mm -hmm. And that gives you that's value to your clients too. Yes. So it's 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 funny. There's a there's about 12 account manager, you know, people who handle accounts and at least at least three or four times a week there's a mass email going out about does anyone have expertise <laughs> in, you know, aerospace engineering? <laughs> and then and, someone And then hopefully somebody, some, raise hopefully their hand somebody raises their, their hand. Exactly. So uh, for you personally or Berkeley, uh, any fun projects coming up that you're allowed to talk about or kinds of projects that you're starting to do more, more of that, that get you kind of excited? Yeah, actually, um, I was hoping that uh, one of my clients was going to join me today. Unfortunately, her, um, her business is not allowing co-marketing. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we are working right now with AbbVie on implementing a... Uh, performance support uh, technology. Um, 
one of the, the big issues that AbbVie has is, or it's not an issue, but, you know, like anything when you're implementing new technology is getting people on board up to speed quickly. And, you know, in the past what they've done is, you know, the standard, you know, you send people through instructor-led training, you give them some e-learning um, as reinforcement, and, you know, at the end you expect that they are going to know how to use that technology. Uh, and they found that that's not always working the way they've intended. So um, we helped them find a technology that's called uh, Leo, which is a embedded performance support tool. And Leo kind of acts like a GPS for the new technology. So it kind of sits over your shoulder while you're working on the technology, and it offers uh, suggestions on you know, what buttons to push or um, business processes that need to be followed. Uh, it can do things like validate whether the data that you're entering is within the range of, of proper um, valuations. It, it's really a neat tool. So that's probably the thing I'm most excited about, that, we've, yeah. that, that we found a tool that it's affordable and that the client is as excited as we are about implementing this thing. So, there's, Have you started the implementation? Uh, we are still working with their IT organization. <laughs> so there are always challenges, and uh, uh, we need to uh, – we're in the, um, the piloting phase mm -hmm. of getting it through IT and making sure that it can fit within their corporate IT guidelines. So you mentioned co-marketing on that on that one question. Yeah. I, I am curious, how does the sales and marketing thing work for a company as well established as as Berkeley? I mean, do you guys go out and sell stuff anymore, or do you, I mean, or do you just it's more relationship and people know who you are? How does that work for somebody like you? Well, what's interesting is when I was hired three or four years ago, there was no Berkeley in Chicago, so I came to Berkeley with my team of instructional designers, we all worked for a different company before, and I just came to my boss and I, my current boss, and I said, hey, you know, we need to leave our current employer. We need a home. Will you take us? It wasn't quite that easy, but... Um, <laughs> Sounds like a movie. Wow. <laughs> yeah. This is a Friday night movie. Yeah. This is cool. So uh, we, we have done a really good job, or uh, we have done a, an acceptable job at having people within the Chicagoland area know who we are. Yeah. Um, but actually, they most people probably only know that Berkeley, in Chicago, that Berkeley does custom learning solutions because that's my uh, expertise. Right, right. And Berkeley does all sorts of training interventions. So we have IT training classes that we offer, and we have professional service classes that we offer, and we can help... Uh, we can help with, you know, large-scale rollouts. So if you need, you know, 50 trainers across the country for a six-week period, we can, we can help with that deployment and strategy and, and supplying the people. I have not sold a single training class. It's just not what I do. That's not what you do. I, that's not what I do. So um, I'm not as good at evangelizing that. And so um, we, could, we could use a little help with marketing. <laughs> but good work so far has been a pretty darn good marketing tool, just the fact that you yes, do good work. exactly. So and, you yeah. know, and what's nice is we're growing within the organizations that, that we're servicing now. So, 
you know, if we're in one group, they'll recommend us to another group, and yeah. and hopefully that will continue. Um, <clears throat> it's more of a farming strategy. Well, I'll tell you, the Chicago market is certainly blessed to have you, Molly, oh, and you. Uh, we're blessed to have you on the broadcast. This has been a fun conversation. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Now, if somebody wanted to learn more, do you have a website? Uh, you can go to www.judge.com. All right. Until next time, this is Stone Payton for Lee Cantor, our guest this morning, Molly Heilman with Berkeley Training, a division of the Judge Group, and everyone here at the Business Radio X family saying we'll see you next time on Learning Insights. This has been a special Business Radio X production brought to you by Training Pros, your source for local learning and development experts. Learn more at training-pros.com. 